back to another episode of the Writer's Haven. I am your host, Musu Writes, and I just want to say real quick that I hope everyone is taking care of themselves and that you and your family and friends are safe. And I just want to also express condolences to anyone who has been affected by the ongoing pandemic. Hopefully and prayerfully, you know, things will will die down soon and um, we can get back to normal as as possible because I don't think there will be a hundred percent normal um anyway uh, on to today's episode my guest for today is author Ayana Gray she is a YA author and she has a lot to share with us um, as far as her writing journey and what she's accomplished along the way and in today's episode we really get into places around the world that you connect with we specifically talked about West Africa and her trip there recently what she took for it and how she wants to incorporate it into her stories and I think that makes your story that much more powerful as far as telling it and as far as people relating to it and with just you know with how much um, Africa and black history has to offer I think um, she had a, a lot of great gems to share as far as what you as a writer or as a creator can take from it so Please take a listen Um, before you do. If you are not subscribed to this episode, please make sure you connect with us on Podbean or iTunes. And we are, like I always say, we are working to make ourselves available on more platforms such as Google Play. So be on the lookout for that. And I will also share Ayana's contact information at the end of the episode. If you want to connect with me, I can be reached by email at hello at musurights.com. There's also the website, there's Twitter and there's Instagram as well. All right, take care, everyone. Thank you. Uh, Those of you who are listening, I see you, I hear you, and I appreciate you. All right, so I hope you enjoy this episode as well. I wanted to to start off by congratulating you on your your presentation that you did, The Art of Querying uh, International Conference. It looks like it went really well. Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. Um, So Joshua Lee Ronan, who I believe is the right hive, conferences creator approached me a few months ago and you know told me about this cool kind of revolutionary idea to have an entire writing conference online and this was before you know we knew about COVID-19. He mm-hmm. was planning to do this virtually the whole time with the idea of providing access to writing advice and resources for people who couldn't afford to go to some of the really big writing conferences mm-hmm. for different reasons. Um, so he asked me kind of what, what would you like to talk about? And something that I'm really interested in because I'm a nerd is uh, querying and pitching and all kind of the stuff that comes before, you, well, part of writing, but the, the stuff in publishing to get your foot in the door, I just have a weird interest in it. Mm-hmm. So my presentation was kind of walking through uh, how, to, how to prepare for querying and then how to query and then what to expect because there's a lot of information and it can be overwhelming to have to search uh, so many places. And also, um, I don't know, I just, I wanted to take all of that information that I collected from all these different resources and try to package it in a neater way. Mm -hmm. So that was the goal. Well, hopefully it worked. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Now, just for, for those who are interested, is the conference still available? Like, was it recorded? Is it still up? Yeah, I I know that my session that was de- is definitely on YouTube. You could probably search Write Hive, just I mean W R I T E and then Hive like a beehive. Okay. And 
YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And I know that my session and several others are on there. Mm-hmm. And then um, Joshua Lee Ronan, the creator, is a really cool, cool guy. And I'm sure that, you know, it has, the conference has its own Twitter account. So if you needed anything else, I'm sure you could reach out via Twitter and they'll be happy to help you out. Okay. Absolutely. Because it's things like this, you know, I think a lot of people may not realize the importance of these steps, you know, with querying and getting ready because we're so focused on getting published, but there's so many critical steps that come before you, you can get picked up by a publisher. So I think the the art of querying is something that I know I will be looking into. So um, I would suggest, you know, anyone for those that are listening to check it out as well. So I'll try once I find it, um, I'll include it in the show notes along with any other information you may want to share for yeah, the listeners. Okay. That's cool. All right. So let's talk about you and your writing journey. You know, was there like did the clouds open up one day and say, hey, Ayana, you're going to be a writer and that's it? Or, you know, what (laughs) defining moment (laughs) happened to you that's, you know, that started you off on your writing journey? I'm still, I feel like I'm still trying to find my moment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wanted, I mean, I I have a very typical story in that, like, I've been writing my whole life, really. Songs like to pick up a pen. I used to, I still draw. So drawing was my introduction. I think people who are inclined into the arts mm-hmm. are artistically inclined. Um, you know, once you like one thing, it's pretty easy to segue into other loves within mm-hmm. fine arts. And I loved to draw. And I used to make illustrated books with no words. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up getting frustrated because like I would hand them off to my family and they wouldn't understand what was happening in the illustration. <laughs> so I was like, I probably need some words. <laughs> and um, then I started like writing. And then when we got a family computer, I started typing them up. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's, it just kind of has progressed, progressed from there. I've pretty much always written in the speculative space, mostly mm-hmm. like fantasy, sci-fi. I've dabbled in historical fiction because I, I just, yeah, I, if I can, I think maybe as an African-American because mm-hmm. history has been such a difficult thing at times. Yes. I'm, I'm interested in it and even jealous of people who have histories and traditions. And African-American, the African-American community does have a tradition mm-hmm. of history, but it's definitely one that has a lot of pain and a lot of that's been taken away and erased. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've just been interested in that. So yeah, I, that's a long way to say I've been writing mm-hmm. um, for a long time. Not seriously. I finished college and decided I, you know, if I wanted to become an author, I was going to have to be a little more serious about it because up until then I'd just been writing for fun and showing friends. And that's when I started to research about querying and what literary agents were. That's when I learned that you don't just send your, you don't just write a book and send it off to an editor and they publish (laughs) it. It's actually like 20 steps. Um, And then I actually got a job, like did the very responsible thing, got a job, moved away from home, did that for a year and realized I hated it. And so I did the irresponsible, responsible thing and packed up and moved to Australia for a year just, okay. to, just to do that. And mm-hmm. I was still writing. Mm-hmm. And then I got home from that really, uh, really fun adventure and was like, okay, I'm 20 four now and I still like I had this lifelong dream of being a writer and I'm still not one and it's largely because I'm just not being focused about it Hmm. so I did NaNoWriMo 
which are you familiar with NaNoWriMo? I am. What year did you first start doing NaNoWriMo? I think the first time I tried was 2015 or 16. And okay. I, I did it 2015 and 16 and definitely did not complete it. Right. Not A lot happy. of us didn't. <laughs> yeah. And then I think I tried it in 27. No, it had to be my first time was 2016. Mm-hmm. Do it. 2017, didn't finish it. But then in 2018, um, I found the writing community on Twitter and it was the first time I had like lots of other people who knew what NaNoWriMo was and accountability partners. And so I, I finished a really ugly, very short draft of my very mm-hmm. first manuscript ever. Mm-hmm. Revised it for the next few months with a critique partner that I found. And then I entered DV Pit, which is an online pitching contest for marginalized creators where you basically pitch your book idea out there. And if agents like it, like they literally like it, it's an invitation for you to send materials to them. So I did that. Um, I sent my, my stuff out about a month after the contest was over and then was really fortunate to secure an agent about a month after I submitted my first materials. So now I'm represented by Pete Knapp at Park and Fine Literary and Media, and we are doing revisions for that same manuscript now. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And, you know, it's, it's really encouraging to hear, you know, you, you tried a lot of different things. You know, some worked, some didn't, but you still kept, you know, going and kind of like feeling your way out. And I think um, I really appreciated where you talked about connecting with other writers because personally for me um nano right now it it just it just wasn't my thing I tried it a couple of times but I think that just you know having my own pace you know and not really worrying about word count things like that that really helped me but I think the the other thing that was major was connecting with other writers and you mentioned you had a critique partner so things like that I think are very, very important as far as moving you along to, you know, whatever destination you're trying to get to in terms of your writing. Was there like one, was there like one huge lesson that you learned that really stood out from everything else? Starting like just in general throughout writing or? Yeah, with writing. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think The lesson that I'm learning continuously is that, you know, just like you go to the gym and you keep working out um, or really anything, you, my grandma, I've told my grandma, I feel like it's a muscle and she's, my grandma's a writer and she's also an avid reader and a wordsmith. And she's like, well, your, your brain isn't a muscle. And so (laughs) I didn't like that analogy necessarily. Um, But I think of it as a muscle and you have to work it and you have to challenge it. And And so I read, you know, I, I read books on craft now, which I used to not do. I actively go out and look for advice and information, how to make my characters better, how to make my world building stronger. So the lesson I'm, I've learned and am learning is the more you put in, the more you get out. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, being creative, having a, a big, vivid imagination is a big part of the battle, but really like the successful writers and authors out there Yes, they're creative, but they also have the discipline to work and really treat this like a job and treat this like something they're serious about and want to learn more about. Okay. Okay. And then as far as being a young adult author, um, what 
as far as breaking into that genre, were there any major challenges you faced or did you, were you just able to jump in and flow with it and be as productive as you want it to be? What was that like? That is still, um, so as far as writing it, that was very natural because Mm -hmm. it's, I feel like I was very lucky to grow up at the time when young adult was really booming. Like I was a teenager when Mm -hmm. Twilight was happening and Hunger Games and Divergent and Maze Runner and all of these really big young adult series. So it was a very natural place for me as a reader and as a writer. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's it's always going to be a competitive market. And I think it's always going to be kind of moving and shifting because we find that, you know, young adult nowadays, I think when I was little, young adult could be for like a 12 or 13 or 14 year old. Yeah. But now young adult really is sometimes almost adult really okay i I didn't know that okay not not all but you know Mm -hmm. like some of my favorite young adult books and series the main characters are in their late teens like 18 19 even 20 years old okay okay yeah the themes that are talked about i mean at 12 years old i could have read them and i think i would have been fine but they're not adolescent like true children's yeah (laughs) same thing it's 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 evolved um and it's probably going to continue to so yeah it's hard go ahead oh no i was gonna say is there a lot of diversity in ya as far as the type of stories the characters and maybe even the authors do you think is there a lot of diversity it's gotten better it's gotten way better in the last like five years or so. Mm -hmm. I know that around 2016, there was a movement called We Need Diverse Books. Um, Mm. I think it's abbreviated WNDB. It's a whole organization. They do scholarships and grants. And it was co-founded by several authors who really saw that a lot of YA featured the same kinds of, of people and wanted to see that change. Okay. It's gotten much, much better. We've had so many big, big hits come out in the last few years where the main characters have been racially diverse, where they have had different sexual orientations. We're seeing disabled um, representation and not only representation, but positive representation. Yeah. You know, like just having a black female character in your story is really mm-hmm. no good if that black female character doesn't have a dynamic personality or mm-hmm. important to the plot or is represented in a way that's negative or like upholds bad stereotypes about black people right it's easy for me to talk about black people but it's gotten way better and i think publishers are finally seeing that hey this is something profitable that we should absolutely invest in so it's okay that's that's great to hear because I know and I think you can relate to growing up it was it was very limited you know and I loved reading as a kid so um at this you know most of the times I didn't mind it was just something like a good story to read but compared to how it may look like now I think it was you know probably two different worlds um as far as diversity and representation so that's good to hear that they made that move um five years back about uh being more inclusive with the stories and storytelling. Yeah. And there have been other authors who've been doing this for years, like way before 2016. It's just, that was the first like organized effort. Okay. Worked. Um, yeah. And there's still a long way to go for sure. Yeah. But 
it's it's really encouraging and I'm like you as a kid I just wanted books mm-hmm. so I, I happily read everything but I really think kids now are set up to get to read some really cool stories and see themselves which is yeah so important. absolutely absolutely now earlier you mentioned uh your you know you you traveled um you've been to Australia and I believe I read um that you also went to West Africa yes what kind con- were there particular countries you visited I spent about a month in Ghana. And, okay. Um, it was a cool trip. It was studying abroad in conjunction with the AYA Institute in Accra. Mm-hmm. And whereas most study abroad trips, you know, like usually you're at one university or one college and you're studying in that fixed location. Yeah. Um, we actually traced the ancient, and there's not, a, I don't think there's an official name for it, but we traced the traditional path of the slave trade starting in northern Ghana. What happened was slaves uh, from across the continent of Africa were brought to one kind of central, one one central place in northern Ghana, right on the tip of the Sahara. Mm -hmm. And from there, they were brought down, they were given the last bath and took this path on foot that was really, really brutal through different cities and areas. Mm -hmm. And then they ended at these castles that are still standing. Yeah. You know, the Portuguese built it and the other one was built by the British, mm-hmm. but that's where the door, um, the door of no return is. And they would pass through, they would stay in those castles for a while until the ships came. And then they would walk through that archway onto the beaches, loaded onto the ships, and then they would never see home again. Mm-hmm. So it was wow. um, a trip that we were tracing the transatlantic slave trade, also studying decolonization since mm-hmm. uh, I believe I hope I'm right. I was decolonized and officially gained its, gained its independence in 1957. So mm-hmm. it's a relatively young country yes. in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were studying that and also Pan-Africanism, this collective kind of movement where several, like lots of West African countries were decolonizing around the same time and right. for their independence. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a really, really cool trip and definitely inspired my current project. Yeah, I was just getting ready to ask you if, you know, if any of this is being included in your in your work. So I think that's very interesting. And just a quick side note, my family is from Sierra Leone. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so a lot of the history you just mentioned is, is, is similar um, because the capital, Freetown, you know, is where they brought returned a lot of the slaves. So mm-hmm. that established that city. But, um, yeah, it's very interesting to hear that. Uh, you know, the journey that you took and what you experienced, what you saw. So are you incorporating this in, you know, as being a young adult author, are you incorporating this in your current project? You know, how is, how is that going? Yeah. Um, and I don't mean to like tangent off, but this just like, I have to plug her. Um, oh no. I don't know if you have connected and uh, I pray to God I'm saying her name correctly with mm-hmm. uh, Namina Forna. No, but I would love to. <laughs> but she is from Sierra Leone. Okay. And she, her young adult, uh, the first book in her young adult series, uh, The Gilded Ones, is coming out. I believe it got moved to next year, but um, she's a really, another really great YA author mm-hmm. who, uh, I believe, you know, her, her work is inspired from her family and from where mm-hmm. she spent some of her childhood. So. Okay. Yeah, I, I would love to. Yes. Um, but to go to, to go back to kind of how I'm trying to incorporate it, it's tricky um, 
when I went to Ghana, I was like, wow, this is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. The people here are beautiful, not just, I mean, physically, but like, I remember one thing that I always remember that actually kind of brings me to tears is how beautiful the, the kids were. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that in like the pitying Western. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I genuinely remember thinking like, they look so happy. Mm-hmm. They look happier than any American kids I've ever seen. They mm-hmm. don't, we were in rural areas. And so some of these places, um, the kids don't have like electricity. They don't have a bunch of yeah. outside hanging out mm-hmm. and they're, they look so happy and so free. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that, that really stuck with me. And I, I remember thinking this is such a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Why has nobody, or why do so, why was this not a place that more people write about, you know, for stories with magic? Yeah, um, exactly. Like I was in one country and I saw gorgeous like white sand beaches. I saw the desert mm-hmm. and I saw jungle, not to mention other like vast cities Mm-hmm. It's all in one tiny, tiny country. Like there is so much to work with here. It's very rich. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So much magic. And we went to um, see the uh, Ashanti King's palace. Mm-hmm. Everything is gold and like <laughs> all this tradition and it's like hundreds and hundreds of years old. And I just remember, you know, reading all this stuff that was very Euro inspired. So we yeah. have stuff based on ancient medieval England, which is mm-hmm. fine. That is, yeah, exactly. But I'm like, gosh, there's so much material and there's so much cool stuff here. Yeah, um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I don't know. I, I want to say some people have realized that and they're trying to write about it, but it just needs to be a bigger push in that because it's so much, like you said, it's so rich. It's so much content. You know, you it would just leave a writer, you know, just overwhelmed with you know where to start it's it's very beautiful but I'm didn't mean to jump in but go ahead no, no, no. No, I, <laughs> I, can, I can go on and on about it because I'm like you know when you think about the size of Europe when you include all of the countries West Europe yeah it's this kind of piece of land and then there's Africa and it's mm-hmm. this massive continent yeah languages and there's ethnicities and there's food and there's places and clothes and mm-hmm. like, just I mean like so much like the the writer and me can literally think of 10 different stories just I don't yeah know, I, I just wanted to try to try to write about as much as I could and I'm in an interesting place because again as an African-American um person I'm I'm removed from from that bit of my heritage and for mm-hmm. a long time um you know, I will, I continue to be pretty sad and, and there are times where I get really kind of upset about it. Mm-hmm. Um, as a little kid, because I was in a pretty whitewashed, you know, environment, mm-hmm. I wasn't made to feel proud of my heritage. Yeah. And it wasn't something that I had an interest in. I, I was really into mythology as a kid and I loved the Greek and Roman uh, gods. Mm-hmm. But if I had known that there were that there were and could be gods from different parts of Africa, I would have freaked out. (laughs) I mean, having like all powerful beings that can control water and air and fire and gods of death and whatever, and they would have been a game changer for me. Mm -hmm. And so, um, if I can do that, if I can make the things I saw as a little kid, it sounds funny, but like what I saw as a kid, but make it black. <laughs> yeah. 
well that but it's funny because that does exist what you saw as a kid in black that's real you know what i'm saying yeah and it's just a matter of putting it into context but yeah there's like like we've been saying there's so much there they they had a very me if you ask me personally they had a very strong and connected relationship with god before any colonialism or any type of influence came in and it's important to not only know that but to talk about it and maybe even write about it so i totally get what you're saying yeah it's exciting and it's it's you know a way for me to try as the best i can to connect with this heritage that is yeah. in a lot of ways lost to me but i can celebrate it yeah and it should be celebrated because we can talk about the painful things that happened but it doesn't tell the entire story you know there are things there are things in the bloodline that represent power that represent you know different ways of overcoming you know despite the things that may have happened you know during the slave trade and things like that there are some very powerful figures in africa or in other parts of the world that represent you know how far um the descendants have come or what they have in them to overcome so yeah i think you know people should keep uh keep their curiosity going as far as those things that are not spoken of enough and continue to tell those stories because you're right they're there are actually in the YA space, there are several authors who have written some really cool um, young adult, especially young adult fantasies, mm-hmm. um, even that have come out in the last year or so. So uh, Namina's comes out next year, but Amanda Joy wrote a really great one. Raina Barron uh, wrote the first in her trilogy, I believe. Those both mm-hmm. came out last year. Um, and there's still like a lot more coming. JL has yeah. a great one and Lizelle Sanbury. I'm just like listing off. There's a lot. And, um, but I want, I, I always, we're building a canon, but I want more because I remember right. 16, like I could knock out, I, and I did knock out like a full Harry Potter book in eight hours. And I'm like, okay, what's next? Right. So I really right. think we should have these, but we could also really continue to continue to add to that canon so that there's a whole, ideally whole shelves where if somebody just wants to read like fantasies full of black people they're yeah. not limited to four or five books but there's like an infinite number of books they have at their disposal absolutely absolutely so yeah that i think that um the, the trip that you made was very significant um and i you know i think there was a purpose behind it so hopefully you know you and other you know other people can continue to appreciate things like that because i would love maybe now you have me thinking like maybe we can do like a whole group chat one day where we're talking about this specific part of you know black history and you know what can be done with it you know how it can be talked about more that would be really great so yeah that'd be fun yeah (laughs) yeah so your current work that you're working on um can you talk more about that uh I was looking for the, I was on your website, which is awesome, by the way, because you have resources for writers, but we'll, we'll get to that in, in, a, in a bit. But can you talk to us more about your current project? Sure. It is tentatively called Beasts of Prey, and um, I describe it as a pan-African fantasy, specifically because really inspiration from it came from different parts of the African continent, although... Mm-hmm. A large part is West African, but then there were other regions that I'm I'm really interested in and fascinated by that I wanted to incorporate into the story as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Young adult fantasy, and at essence, it's about 
a uh, pretty headstrong beast keeper and an aspiring warrior who are both kind of hunting for this monster that has been ravaging ravaging their home for you know decades now mm-hmm. and they both want it for different reasons so of course their paths cross um, deals are struck and kind of an adventure ensues as they go into this magical jungle in search for this for this mm. demonic monster and uh yeah it's super fun mm-hmm. it, it's all the all the tropes, some of the best advice, writing advice I've ever heard was write the story that you yourself would love. So it's basically full of things that I geek out over. <laughs> um, magical animals, kind of dark, scary settings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really love an enemies to love your story. <laughs> <laughs> I love when uh, two people are pitted against each other and they can't stand each other. And then of yeah. course, like they're teenagers and feelings, vibes happen. So um, that's kind of a snapshot of what it is. Okay. It sounds very intriguing. And I I wish I would have had something like that when I was growing up. So oh, thank you. Yeah, that sounds really um, neat. And is there a timeline as to, because I know you're working on it now, but is there a timeline as to when, you know, it'll be finished? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> to be honest, because, um, yeah, it's especially at this point, stage that it's in now it's in revision which mm-hmm. means it's like I've written it and now I'm kind of collaborating with my agent to make sure it's in the very best shape it's in before we take it on submission okay editors and so you know I'm I've been revising for a little while and I yeah. feel like I am pretty close mm-hmm. but it's hard to say especially with the pandemic going on yeah I feel like it's thrown a lot of a lot of things off right um so i'm <laughs> sorry that's a non-answer oh no that's a real answer if you if you ask me i mean you know I'm trying to be with, real yeah <laughs> with everything going on and you know that whole revision revision process is i think it's another thing that a lot of writers don't realize is can become very involved for all the necessary reasons mm-hmm. so I'm curious to know with this speci- with specifically the revision process what have you learned about your own writing voice um I have learned well yeah it's funny before we started this I was drafting a different project mm-hmm. and one thing that I had to really figure out it took me a long time was that you have to respect each piece on, as its own thing. You can't try to draft and revise at the same time. Mm. So you revise for different things. Like right now I'm drafting something and it's a hot mess. And it's, okay. <laughs> right. it's, a to- it's totally okay that it's a hot mess. That's right. Not the time to like be polishing up the prose and the grammar and whatever. Yeah. It's, it's just about getting the idea out there on paper and you can mess with it. Mm-hmm. Then you move on to, okay, this is where like I'm reading and studying plot structure and you start to look at plot structure. And then once you've gotten that down, then you can go look at character arcs and then, so it's layered. Mm-hmm. I think I used to try to write perfect drafts. Mm-hmm. I would put it in my computer and if the first sentence wasn't perfect, I was stuck. So revising is definitely something to be done in pieces, mm-hmm. iterative. So you're, you should be going back and forth, take time away from it, come back, look at it with fresh eyes and then, you know, Maybe this time I'm looking, I'm reading it, making sure my characters are okay. Next time I read it, I'm making sure that, you know, the world building makes sense. But you can't do it all all at once. Yeah, absolutely. I've learned so far. 
Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think that, um, you know, that is very important to know. And with that being said, what I mentioned earlier about the resources that you have for writers, um, I'm going to recommend that folks check this out. Um, What inspired you to include this section on your website? I know it's pretty obvious, but we can talk a little bit about it because you have everything from blogs to podcasts, um, different events, DB Pit. What what made you want to include this on your website? Um, again, I feel badly that I can't attribute these quotes and these beliefs to a specific person, but mm-hmm. I very much, I, I live by at least one of the beliefs that you should give what you pay, pay things forward yeah. and do unto others. This is actually, it's a biblical verse. That's where that's from. Um, mm-hmm. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And for me, writing was very lonely. It still is kind of. It lonely. still is, yeah. But as a like a teenager, I only had a friend, one or two friends that were into writing, and finding good resources because there's there's so much out on the internet. But yeah. finding good resources was hard, mm-hmm. and I remember the joy each time I found something, and it was like this is exactly what I've been looking for all my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like the podcasts. Those have been like life changing. I've learned so much information for free. And mm-hmm. yeah, that, I, that's people are like, how do you know how to do this? How do you know? And I'm like, mm-hmm. just searching out and finding really good stuff like um, Ride or Die podcast and the Print Run podcast. Um, there's a few more that are really good, but um, walking home from work, because I'm unfortunate to live pretty close to where I work. Mm-hmm. Now, on those walks home, on those bus rides, on the trips to places, just listening to those, I've learned so much. Yeah. I'm really grateful to those people and I'm really grateful to have those resources. So I wanted to just kind of put them in one spot. And if I can help someone also get that information, then I've paid it forward. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, thank you again for sharing that. And again, you know, I'll continue to check it out and I'll encourage, you know, everyone listening to check it out as well. So that's pretty cool. Thanks. Yeah. So as far as, um, you know, this is something that I like to ask guests. uh, As far as trying to help someone who may be frustrated or may not know, trying to find their way uh, in their writing journey, what piece of advice would you share with them to help give them more clarity for themselves? Ooh. (laughs) There's lots lots and lots. And it depends on where you're at in your journey. Yeah. One that is universal is just keep your eyes on your own paper, Mm -hmm. um, which is really, really hard. It's hard for me right now while I revise, but really remembering um, everybody's process is their own. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what, what took one person three months might take you a year. What took you two weeks might take somebody else five months. These aren't linear journeys. So, Mm -hmm your journey is not any more or less valid than somebody else's because it didn't follow a certain timeline. Mm-hmm. Things happen in their own time. Also, like I said earlier, I mean, I think at some point you have to make a decision and decide like, is writing something that I want to make? Like, do I want to be an author and do I want to publish books traditionally and make this a career or is this something that I want to do for fun? And neither answer is wrong. Mm-hmm. But if you, do want to make this a career and something serious in your life, start talking about it and treating it like it's something serious in your life. When people ask you what you do, 
be proud. Say, I'm, right. I'm a writer. I'm not an aspiring writer because if you're writing, you're a writer. Exactly. Yeah, you're not aspiring and um, start the same way if you were running, if you were preparing for a marathon, you would train, you would go read about techniques to prepare. Mm-hmm. Um, go online and find those resources to make you better and connect with other people who might be a little bit ahead of you and ask them. Like I, a lot of what I've learned has been from really gracious people who have been, you know, been kind and given me advice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Well, that makes perfect sense to me. And by the way, your quote, keep your eyes on your own paper. I'm so snatching that and running with it. I just want oh, to let not, you know. You snatch it. I've snatched it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, that just puts so much in perspective because it's easy to get frustrated and look at how other people are progressing or how it may seem easy for other people when, you know, you just need to block all of that out and just focus and establish your own pace and your own way of doing things. So. Oh yeah. And publishing is an industry. I just wanted to add it that like Mm -hmm. I've, I've learned and am continuing to learn loves a highlight reel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, the more they can make it sound like somebody just sat at their computer and put together a New York times bestselling manuscript and sold it two weeks. Like, like they love, they being just publishing. They Uh don't tell that story. Yeah. Not ever how it works. Right. Um, I mean, we all want to look successful and we all want to look like we're doing really well. But the truth is, um, paper that works is dead, of course. And there, there's always a hustle you're not seeing. Somebody, That's right. For every big, crazy book movie deal somebody got, they probably wrote three books before that. They probably toiled away unnoticed for years before they had their moment. So. Exactly just really keep that in perspective. <laughs> yeah, that's the reality of it. They've, they've had so many rejections or s- so much unfinished work, mm-hmm. you know, before they they um, hit the goal pot. So that's that's just another reality that needs to be put out there. Yeah. Yeah. So is there an, um, a favorite author quote that you have? I, I, and just be- before you answer that, I asked, Catherine West uh, this it just she was just like oh my gosh I don't know but she ended up coming with one but I was just curious if you had a favorite author quote for yourself um um, um, so I one is coming like to the forefront (laughs) I what's weird is I think that her quote is from somebody else but she's the person I know who said it so I'm gonna give it to her sure um she's a, a historical fiction author named Stephanie Dre and she taught a few writing classes that I took and she and I are, have a pretty cool rapport, but she said, sometimes you have to just let yourself write, write badly. Mm. And that's what I meant earlier when I said, I used to try to write these perfect first drafts and I would get frustrated because I'm like, why does my draft not look like this book? Right, <laughs> and, right. You know, the truth is like that lovely book that you're like, everything's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect because they've had editors and copy editors and like a whole team of people looking over that and making it that nice polished story that you're seeing. Mm -hmm. You can't compare your first draft to that. Um, And you you get in your own way. So let let yourself write badly. Let yourself just get the story out there. You can literally put insert fight scene. (laughs) I'll deal with that later. And then keep going. You know, just put the story on paper and then you can always go back and add and revise and make it pretty later. 
Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that, that makes total sense to me. And, you know, I think, uh, like, again, like we've been saying, you learn as you go along, you, you, you learn how to establish your own voice as you go along. So I think with that and with all the resources that they have in place, um, it'll, it's a fun journey. I think, you know, from hearing you and what the different things that you've gone through over the years, it's, it's, it's very fulfilling. And I think I can relate to that. I think listeners can relate to that as well. You. Yeah, yeah. we're all on the same journey, just different places within it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I do want to um, thank you again. I really enjoyed talking with you, um, especially about West Africa. <laughs> so, so me just make sure. Did you grow up in Sierra Leone, or families from Sierra Leone? Um, my family is from there. I was born and raised in America. Mm-hmm. But you know the the influence is so strong. I the last time I went there was in 2016. So when you talked about the children, and you know just the different things that are there, everything being so rich, you know I totally related to that. I didn't want to come back. You know, wanted <laughs> 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 to stay. Um, yeah, but yeah, I so my family is is from there, and um, I know I have for myself. I've incorporated a lot of that into my own work that I'm working on. So it's just nice to hear, you know, someone else who's been there or had different experiences there. Um, It's pretty cool. Yeah. And like I said, Namina's, um, if you get spelled, I can drop her a line.